Thank you, Judy. I would invite you to stand for the reading of the gospel. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. I have come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and what constraint I am under until it is completed. Do you think I have come to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two, and two against three. They will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He said to the crowd, When you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, It's going to rain, and it does. And when the south wind blows, you say, It's going to be hot, and it is. Hypocrites! You know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky. How is it then that you do not know how to interpret this present time? This is the gospel of the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your faithfulness, and we thank you that you desire for us to receive you more fully. So Lord, give us grace at this time to attend to your your word. Help us to lay aside those things that are weighing on us and distracting us that we may receive all that you have for us this morning and so apply it in our lives and bring glory to your name. Amen. Amen. Would you please be seated? So one of the things that uh, I need to confess at this time is that I don't want to preach on this passage. One of the things Anglicans do is that we have a lectionary. We have readings set out for every week of the year. And the intent is that we'll be able to read the whole Bible that way. And, and uh, when you get a week like this, you're like, oh, I wish I was a Baptist. <laughs> but here we are. And this passage is, is kind of hard for us to hear where Jesus is, is kind of like, I'm bringing division. And yet back at Christmas time, we heard that he was supposed to be the Prince of Peace. What's going on? Several years ago, I was riding my bicycle with my friend Tony. He happened to be riding his own bicycle, not mine. And as we were going along, we were deep in the woods up on the woodlot. And all of a sudden, his bike started acting in an unpredictable manner. The wheel started doing this. Kind of scary. He stopped. And we inspected the bike. And what had happened was that the spoke, not just one, several spokes were broken. And they were sticking out at all kinds of angles. And and if you know anything about spokes, is that it's only together that they have enough strength to keep the rim strong. And when you start losing spokes, well, your rim is is compromised. And you, you can't really ride it like that. I love the imagery of spokes for describing the church. Right? Because in our walk of faith, we come in at different points. We have different doubts. We have different struggles, but we all have the same goal in the center, and that goal is Jesus. And the beautiful thing is that as we start from wherever we start, and we come closer to the center, we come closer together. And not only that, we're stronger together than when we're apart. And learning in our church, I don't know if if your respective churches ever have disagreements. I'm guessing not. (laughs) Right? Probably not. (laughs) 
how we disagree with one another is central to who we are in Christ. And seeking that unity in Jesus is the most important thing for the church. It's the most important thing. When we start going off at all kinds of different angles, well, the wheel is broken. It's dysfunctional and dangerous. And so we need to keep Jesus in the center. Not just our version of Jesus, but Jesus himself. And if it were up to me, and I'll be very honest, I'd like to cut this little snippet out of Scripture. I don't want to think of Jesus as a divider. I want to think of Jesus as the unifier. And yet, here is Scripture showing Jesus for who he is. More reliable than my perspective. And so we're going to learn today, we're going to look at it and say, how is this good news? And how do we take this and apply it to our lives so that we can be um, faithful witnesses of Jesus? And I'll do it in under three hours. (laughs) Okay, guys. (laughs) So we're going to start with uh, verse 49. I have come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and what constraint I am under until it is completed. What's with the fire? What's going on with fire? When we look at the, at the Bible and in the prophets, they're often referring to fire as the prophecy that they're giving. And what, what it is, is it's judgment. And right away when we hear the word judgment, many of us are like, uh-uh, we can't judge. We can't judge. But there's a very big difference between judgment, God's judgment, and our judgmentalism. Our judgmentalism is about us thinking that we're holier than other people, and it's based on, okay, you're in, you're out, though. I, <laughs> I know what you did last week. You're not in. So in, in judgmentalism, we, that's not our job. Jesus is the judge. And judgment is really good news because judgment affirms everything that is really good and life-giving and true. And judgment also cuts off the things that rob us of life and harmony and peace. Judgment is really good. So is Jesus referring to judgment? Yeah, I think so. But I don't think it's just judgment. I think he's referring to the giving of the Holy Spirit, which refines us and draws us to himself. This is really cool. This is something that we could sit with and ponder for a bit. How I wish this fire was already kindled. Think about that for a second. Jesus is longing to be where we are. Right? He has a baptism to undergo. His baptism is death. It's crucifixion. It's a cleansing act. And through it, we have life. And that's why with our baptisms, when when someone goes under the water, it's a symbol of death. And they come up rising in the new life of Christ. I was talking this morning about how when we baptize infants, we used to wear big, long sleeves on our robes. And when we baptized an infant, that, we covered up their whole head while we did this, right? That was a funeral shroud. This little baby is dying to sin today so that that little baby can be raised in the faith of the church. That was the symbolism. Didn't do anything to deserve it, and it's supposed to be confirmed later in confirmation, but there was a symbol of death even there. Jesus' death is what we're baptized into because of that cleansing act so we can live his risen life. Jesus longed to live where we are today. How many of you grumbled about COVID this week? Okay. 
What about the rain? No, no, actually, I really like the rain this week. I've been grumbling about my trailer's mold issues, right? But you look around the world, and, and we can lament over what's happening in, in Ukraine, we can, or, or Sri Lanka, or what you pick wherever you want. And yet Jesus is saying, I long to be in that time. The author of Luke is the author of Acts, and, and somebody's described that as, as Luke being the the, uh, describing the earthly ministry of Jesus and Acts describing the heavenly ministry of Jesus through the Spirit-filled people. That's us. To be agents of the kingdom, agents of blessing, agents of healing in this world. Jesus longed for this now. And if we're busy being caught up by everything that's going wrong, how can we actually live in the hope that we have of Jesus? So the first thing is, is Jesus longed for this time and we have a hope to cling to. Then he moves on and he says, do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. And then it talks about division between father and son, mother and daughter. The only thing that's not shocking here is the mother-in-law and daughter-in-law division. <laughs> right? Everyone's like, well, huh? Yeah, that's true. Right? But everything else is really, it's hard to take. How can Jesus who came to heal us, divide us. Have have you ever noticed that the more important something is, the more divisive it is? There are whole families right now that can't even mention the word vaccine. That's an important thing. Jesus is way more important. And if you think that's hard, I want you to put yourself in my shoes here for a second, okay? Both my father and my father-in-law cheer for the Canadians. (laughs) Right? How are you supposed to live in harmony when that is is your life? The more important things are more divisive, and Jesus is the most important. The one through whom all things were created. How we view Jesus matters very, very much. I don't know if, if you found this, but I find that that description of there will be two divided against, a family of five will be divided, two against three, three against two, and then lists all the relationships. That seems really awkward to me. And I always wondered, why is that like that? And I learned something this week. Jesus is actually referring to a passage in Micah. And the prophet Micah is describing a time of great crisis. And in this crisis, you can't trust your family. You can't trust them. What do we do in face of this crisis? He answers in 7-7. But as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Many of us know the pain of having loved ones who just aren't following Jesus or don't believe in Jesus. What are we to do? Write them off? No. We are to keep our eyes on Jesus. Walk humbly and obediently and lovingly so that the life of Christ may be present in us. Ever hear that saying that you are the only Bible people will read? It's true. And we are to be embodying the love of Jesus so that people can encounter the love of Jesus and maybe, by the grace of God, receive it themselves and do the same. Jesus longed for this time where we be, his people would be filled with his spirit and loving in his name, and we are to call, 
called to keep our eyes on him, first and foremost. The final part. He said to the crowd, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately say, it's going to rain, because the Mediterranean was to the west. Clouds come from there, rain, good thing. If you see wind coming from the south, which is a desert, you know it's going to be hot. So I want to try a little experiment today. You're going to have to use your voices, okay? (laughs) Could you uh, finish the sentence for me? Red sky in the morning. Red sky at night. Lovely. Right? We know how to interpret the weather. We also know in Fredericton, like if there's, an, if there's a northeaster coming in January or February, we know we're going to lose power. Right? <laughs> we know how to interpret these things. <laughs> um, for Jesus, so when Jesus is saying, why, why would he call these people hypocrites? Luke calls these people the crowd. He doesn't have a lot of time for the crowd. They're not really invested in Jesus. They're a little curious. A little curious, but they're not really invested. You know, one week they cry, Hosanna. The next week they cry, crucify. Jesus is calling them hypocrites because they're religious. They go through the actions. They, they play act. They go to church. But they don't have the relationship. And so here is Jesus the fullness of God in bodily form, the character of the one they've worshipped for thousands of years, and they have no idea who he is. No idea. So the problem here, have you ever heard that saying, uh, that person is so heavenly-minded, they're, they're no earthly good? Have you ever heard that? The opposite is happening here. These guys are so earthly-minded, they're no heavenly good. Now, I believe that the first part of that is, is really bad because we believe that we, we're here not just to go to heaven when we die. We're here to actually establish the kingdom of God here and now when we are obedient to Jesus. That's why we pray in the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, let your kingdom reign through us. But when they were so immersed in the world that they had no expectation That's a problem. If this is the way things are always going to be, what's the point of hoping? Let's just do our thing, get through life, and we'll see what happens. We are to live with a holy expectation. Jesus longed for this time. He matters more than anything, and in this time of tension, we are to keep our eyes on him, and we are to live in expectation. I had a a friend of mine, she's a missionary, (laughs) and several years ago, she asked me a very Baptist question. (laughs) And I I went to Atlantic Baptist University for my undergrad, and I was asked this same question there, and I didn't answer it very well then. But I'm going to see, I'm going to ask the question to see how many people know what I'm talking about, because this will be an interesting experiment. Let's see if any any of the Anglicans raise their hands. She said, hey, Paul. I said, yes. She said, are you pre-trib or post-trib? Pre-trib or post-trib? Anybody understand what I'm talking about? One, two? Both here. (laughs) She's post-tribulation or pre-tribulation. In other words, how do you read Revelation? Are we in a time of tribulation right now, or is the time of tribulation to come yet? 
And the only point of that conversation was to classify me into how she could relate to me. So I, I don't want to be classified, so I asked her a question. Does it matter? Does it really matter? And she goes, well, uh, yeah. I said, why? I said, if we're in a time of tribulation right now, what's our job? To keep our eyes on Jesus, to walk humbly and obediently with him so that he might be known in this world. And if the tribulation is yet to come, that doesn't change what I'm supposed to do now, and it doesn't change what I'll have to do then. Jesus is the center of who we are, who we are called to be. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, it is such a joy to be able to worship here together. And we pray, Lord, for our respective uh, church families. We pray that you would be exalted in our midst. Lord, we pray that in times of tension and, and turmoil and division, we would find unity in you. And Lord, we pray that how we live, it would expect you to break in and to heal and to restore and Lord, our hope is in you. So Lord, please help us to fix our eyes on you and to be the blessing you've called us to be in Jesus our Lord. Amen.